Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Film industry, um, you know, sex trafficking, um, you know, mental and physical abuse and uh, really difficult childhood. And that wasn't necessarily my story. So I grew up um, going to church for the most part. Um, the, the, the detail that did have an impact on my life though, um, my mom had me when she was 16 Mm. and my dad lived in the same town and I'm talking, I graduated with like a hundred people. So my dad was in such close proximity to me that I would literally see him time to time in the grocery store. So I saw this person who had the, the title of my father, but he was never my dad. And that played into um, the narrative in that I, I went to church and I heard about Jesus, but Jesus gave access to the father. And my perception of the father was distorted because my father rejected me. My father, you know, uh, it, it made me even even though he never said any malicious word to me, just him not um, taking the initiative to wanting to be in my life. Um, he, he reached out a few times, but, um, just the fact that he wasn't there, you know, as a, as a kid growing up, it, it made me feel like what's wrong with me. And then pair that with someone who has like in the 99th percentile, like achiever personality. So I had to achieve my affirmation. So I did that through scholastics. I did that through sports. I did that through, you know, how, how can I get the most girls? And, and that's the way I lived my life. Momentary successes to cover this wound that I had that I couldn't figure out in my heart. And I started, I started modeling when I was like 14 or 15. And that, that was something that was kind of unique to my area. And um, I had a lot of success in that. And then I continue doing that same thing and partying, hooking up with girls and um, go to college. And I went to college. I, I went there to study theater. I had no desire to get a degree. I had no clue what I wanted to do. I just wanted to act and model. Um, so I, I was doing OK in the acting and modeling realm. But there were these jobs that I wasn't getting. And more often than not, it's because. I didn't live in LA and there, you know, as, as a, as a, you know, a a six, two brown eyed, brown haired dude, it's like, there's millions of me. And if you're going to book someone that, you know, either you fly someone from South Carolina or you book someone that lives off of La Cienega, you know, it's like, it's, it's a pretty, you know, it's a no brainer. So I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to drop out of college and move to LA. Like, and if I do that easy money, you know, it's, I'll be famous I'll be Brad Pitt, no time, whatever. Um, that, that was like, that was my, you know, that was my idea. So I, I dropped out of college and I moved there and I got an agent. I got, you know, I got an improv agent. I got a, a, a runway and a print agent and everything was looking fine. But like most people, you know, you got to make ends meet. So I'm living far beyond my means, end up getting a job at a restaurant slash bar 
And it's like one of these places where it was like, it was a restaurant to like 10 PM. And then like at 10 PM, um, they, they, there was a mechanical bull in the middle of the restaurant. So it was like in the middle of West Hollywood, um, saddle ranch. If anyone's ever been like on sunset Boulevard past 10 PM, any day of the week, um, you, you've probably seen this place, but, um, I was working there and there's a group of girls that were sitting there and, I walk over, you know, thinking I'm going to, you know, flirt with them, maybe get their number or whatever. And I, you know, introduce myself and go to take their drink order. And they said, Hey, um, have you ever considered acting? And I was like, absolutely. I was like, I'm an actor. <laughs> what are you, you know, what are you talking about? But like, for me, you know, being in the South, it's like, man, uh, relationships, like, I thought I was excited to like, maybe, you know, a casting director, or maybe you're working on a project because like more often than not, like that's how people get started. It's not like you're the best, you know, person in your class. So we're going to, you know, send, send you to Paramount or whatever. Um, you know, it's, you met someone or someone introduced you and, you know, you auditioned well, but ultimately like someone vouched for you and that's how you got in the room. And these girls are like, no, we're talking about porn. And I was like, what? <laughs> I, um, I honestly, I didn't know what to say because um, this could probably resonate with a lot of people. Like for me, those people on the screen weren't real. And, and I think um, it, it's so important to know, like people are not products and sex is not something that, is transactional but that's the way i saw it i i saw like these people and these the, you know this this fictitious part of my imagination that which i thought inviting me into their world and and then they started speaking language that i was familiar with they're like well can we introduce you to our agent and for some reason that give that gave it like some validity it's like okay you're you're, you're gonna introduce me to your agent like seems weird. And I was like, okay, this sounds sketchy. It's going to be like, you know, this old guy in a, ho in a hotel room or something. It's going to be weird. And I get to studio city and, um, it, the buildings adjacent to universal studios. And I walk into this like nice business complex and, you know, I go in this private elevator and I walk down this hall and there's this guy sitting behind this desk, three piece suit, um, I remember like this big, fat, like double Windsor tie English guy. And he asked me a few questions and man, just looking back on like what a master manipulator, because he was like, you know, tell me about like such a strange question to ask in retrospect, but like, he like, tell me, you know, tell me about your childhood. Um, you know, how'd you grow up? And I was like, well, I just grew up with my mom, you know, <laughs> my mom raised me. And I just want to say, um, anytime I get the opportunity, my mom is amazing. My mom is incredible. You know, being 16, um, she, she made, um, for her, there, there was no choice. You know, there's, there's life in me and it's not my plan, but it is what it is. Um, so this, this is what we're going to do. And she raised me and she did the best she could. And, um, she's amazing. And I love her so much, but you know, it was tough. And he asked me that question. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm out here in LA to, you know, to model and act. And he's like, you know, I want to be famous. I want people to know my name, this and that. And he's like, well, 
well, pornography is kind of shifting into this different genre where we're making these, these big films with this, these large budgets and, you know, that we're parroting movies. So like you're a good looking guy and there's not a ton of looking, a good looking guys in the industry. And you have this acting experience. And if you have this acting experience, you you'll be able to flex that and get the lead roles. So, man, you, you'll be able to make as much money as you want. You'll be able to, you know, be the star you came here to be. And in that moment, Isaiah, um, I, I felt, man, maybe I'm not good enough to achieve what, I, I was out there to achieve. And I, and I heard this counterfeit version, this, this bum version of the dream that I had for myself. And, and I just want to be clear, like I, I wasn't in a bad position. Like I, I was financially fine. I, I was having some success. Um, I had friends. <laughs> I, 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 you know, there was nothing wrong in my world, but this void in my heart, in the, in the way that I saw myself, because I didn't know who I was and I didn't know whose I was, it distorted my reality. And, and because I was confused and because I was insecure, I, I, I heard this counterfeit version of my dream. I was like, man, maybe this is as close as I'll ever get. And I'm, I'm, I'm tugging with this tension of, I know I shouldn't do this. Like, I mean, I grew up, you know, if I didn't say yes, ma'am and no, ma'am, and open the door for old ladies, you know, like um, I, I respect and loving people well was at the forefront of important things to my mom. And I just, I knew I shouldn't do that. And man, I, for some reason, I, I agreed to it. I was like, okay, what, what's the next step? He's like, well, I'm going to send a town car to pick you up in the morning we're going to take you to this. So there's like a, a standardized testing place. There's a lab that everyone goes to. So there's many as can, you know, they can control as many variables as possible. Um, and then everyone gets tested and, and you have to be tested within this window of um, it, it fluctuates. It usually around 14 days is, is as long as they'll let the test go until you have to get it renewed. But how do you get this test? And to be honest, I was incredibly promiscuous leading up to that. And I was like, probably not a terrible idea to go get this test. So I go get the test and um, it doesn't come back the next day. And it was supposed to come back the next day. And this is one of many times where this, you know, this, these dominoes of terrible decisions that I made, I, I can look back and see God saying, don't do it. Don't do it. And then with that pit in my gut, I waited and the test came back the next day, get the call, meet me at this, um, this studio. Um, I think we're in Encino or something and, um, meet me at this, you know, you're going to, you're going to be at the studio town car picks me up. I go to the studio and, and again, I'm thinking, I'm like trying to justify it in my head. You know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get there. It's, they're just going to like, give me like a camcorder and like, there'll be a girl there and whatever. And I'll just do this one. I won't do it again. And I get there and I would love to touch on this later, but I get there, handed a piece of paper, sign. This is, this is how you get paid. So that's the language sign. This is, this is how you get paid. It was so much more than that, but I sign it. There's a receptionist. 
I walk in, there's catering. And then there's like this, there's these, this is like a, a stadium around this day bed of Kino flows, right? So this, this like, like imagine like miniature, like stadium lights in a baseball field around this little day bed. And then there's, there's a camera one, camera two, camera three. There's someone running around shooting BTS. There's, you know, uh, an assistant in the corner eating Doritos or something. And this PA comes up to me and he's like, Hey, um, I understand this is your first time. Here's this blue pill. Take it if you want. Don't if you don't. It's in your hand. It's yours. Um, if you've never taken this before, or bite it in half. And I was like, well, I never taken this before. I'm not even sure like what it does. And they're like, well, the director will need you in, in 30 minutes. When he when you see him like wave you over, just walk over there. And you know. I feel like it's, you know, in the, the, the scene you'll see in every movie where it's like, I'm in the mirror, like talking to myself. It's like, you know, you're stupid. Why are you here? Don't do this. And it's like, well, I'm, I'm and in that moment, I truly believed, well, you've gone too far. You can't go back. And I'm just like, I just feel sick because I'm like, man, I, I just want to get out of here. And I, th- I think again, like reflecting back, um, they picked me up in a town car. How would I leave? I would have to pick up and call the agent and say, Hey, I'm backing out. Can you like, you know, like a, a you know, I, my kids are super young, but it's like, you know, I can, I can imagine at some point they'll sleep over at a friend's house and, you know, I I'm scared <laughs> dad, dad come pick me up. Um, I don't want to do this. And, and that's kind of how I felt. And I just felt like, well, there's nothing else I can do. So I, I popped the entire pill, <laughs> chugged a whole water. And then the director waves me in and it was like, I walked into these lights and, and mind you to this point, I'd never, I've not, I've only seen this girl's, uh, a, a photocopy of this girl's ID and her test. I never spoke. So I walk in, I walk into the lights scene happens and then all of a sudden i'm next thing i know i'm in that car going home um feeling dirty check in my hand um looking at the the check on the memo triple x film um you know i think it was like five or six hundred dollars and just thinking like what have i done and I was like, I'm not, I'm, I'm definitely not going to do that again. It's terrible. Like, I, I don't even remember like details of what happened, but I just felt disgusting afterwards. And like it, what, and it wasn't just what I did. It was the fact that there were, there were people like, there's probably 30 people in the room, three cameras, three cameras, a boom mic, a sea light in unmentionable places and people just standing around eating food. Like it's the most arbitrary thing in the world. So like, like there's like, for me, it was just like exposed in a way that I I could never like really articulate because like when, like I did theater before and like there was just something about, or even when I preach now that like you feel like, exasperated in a, in a certain degree. It's like anything I do, 
I give it everything. And, yeah. and there's this, this feeling of like, you, you, you've given it everything you've got and you, you're exposed to a certain degree, but like, this was, this was different. And I just like, I didn't even want to look at anyone because of shame. And I just, I don't know, but anyway, that this happens and I get home and I'm like, well, I'm not going to do that again. It's done with, um, it'll disappear on the internet. No one will ever see it. And about two weeks go by and maybe less. And I get a phone call and it's my agent. And I find out that scene is on one of the most popular websites. And it already has like 200,000 views or something like that. And because they just churn them out so quickly and people are, you know, it's tied to my likeness, which breaches my contract. So the thing I've been working for since I was 14, I was 22 at the time, just blew up in my face. So I get fired. And then my other agent calls me. I get fired. Um, about a day later, I get a phone call from my mom. So, so like grew up in a really small town. Obviously, it's th- something that's, you know, viewed, you know, on the Internet and um you know, some, someone, someone, someone told, told someone and it got back to my mom and I'm having this just humiliated conversation and she's, she's hurt. She's hurt, not because of what I did, but because she knows like how much value I had. And she just like, she's like, she never like was mad at me. She just kept saying, you're so much better than that. And I was kind of seeing a girl at the time and I tell her and she obviously like tells me to take a hike. Um, and then she worked at that restaurant that I worked at. So she, her being kind of the, the nucleus of my friends, all of a sudden I lost a lot of friendships. And then right there in the middle of, you know, what have I done? I've destroyed my life. What am I going to do? My phone rings and it's the agent. It's like, Hey, everything went great. I want to sign you to a contract. So that one mistake that I made turned into six years of me being in the industry. And I did over a thousand films. I traveled to every major city that I ever wanted to travel to, um, made well over a million dollars. One, you know, got nominated for best male performer three times. I won it once. And in 2012, my last year in the industry, I won that award best male performer and it, it was it used to be streamed on um, showtime and i got in it in advance knowing that hey you, you've won this award here's certain things that i want you to include in your acceptance speech and man isaiah i i had in my hand throughout that six years i had in my hands everything that i said if i have this i'll be happy if I, you know, so many people say this, you know, if, if I, once I get married, yeah, my life will be complete. I'll be happy. You know, once I pay off this loan, once I have this car, once I, you know, have a home, once I get into the school, if I get the girl, if I had this amount of money, so I had the money, I had the fame, I had everything that I told myself I would be happy. And then the, the award was the last thing on the list that was, you know, outside looking in, 
I'm at the the peak, the pinnacle of the porn industry. And that's when I realized that it didn't work. Wow. And it actually illuminated that brokenness that I had in my heart. And it quickly escalated to a depression so deep and so dark that I wanted to die. And then I started calling out to this, this God that I knew so much about, but never saw myself worthy of a relationship to. So I'm talking to this, what seemed like this far off God asking, please have mercy on me because I just want to die because I ruined my relationship with my family because mm. very, you know, Genesis two to Genesis three, where, you know, I, I, I was engaged with people. I was walking, there was no shame. And then all of a sudden when sin entered the picture, I, I started to isolate myself. I started to hide and I stopped responding to my mom's text messages. I stopped answering her calls. I unfriended everyone, you know, on social media that I, that I actually had relationships with. Um, even my little brother, my little brother wow. calling, you know, he, he, uh, he's a PhD. He's a, he's a genetics professor at Clemson university. And, you know, as he was on the process of getting his 500 million degrees, he, he would call me, you know, to tell his big brother what he had done. Um, and I wasn't there. Wow. And that, I mean, the, this depression is just crushing me and, and I'm seriously considering taking my life. I just don't have the guts to do it. And I stay in the industry because I believe what else am I going to do? So I just subject myself to this pain and i i'd got i'd worked and i went to a bank and i would normally go dropbox or atm but that wasn't an option this day and i didn't want to face the music because of the memo on the check but on this day i was just like whatever it's like who cares anyway and i i give the clerk the check do you have your account number no swipe my card and you're cashing but, your paycheck from one of your movies right okay right. Yeah. And, um, and the teller, you know, does the transaction slides me the receipt and, um, I pivot to walk away and she says, Joshua, is there anything I can do for you? Joshua, can I help you? She says my name twice. And what she didn't know is that was the first time I heard my name in over a year. Wow. And it absolutely wrecked me. It wrecked me because I was so numb and I had, you know, through the, the lies and the pain and the shame, I had constructed this plausible reality where Joshua didn't exist. Wow. And she, when she spoke my name into existence, it woke me up. And I, it, it was like, I was numb. So I was just like, you know, just going through the motions. But in that moment, I felt the pain and what I specifically felt was how bad my mom was probably hurting because all she wanted to know was that I was okay. She didn't care what I was doing. Like, I, like she, she never 
celebrated or or affirmed in any way anything I was doing, but she never stopped loving me. And she just wanted to know I was okay. And like for me, like that was it. So I I go home and you know, I pick up the phone, I call my agent, I I, I call my PR company, I put out a press release, I, I quit. Wow. And Man, I wish that the story would go from there to where I ended up, but it didn't because I, I had spent six years wearing a mask, being whomever was across from me that like, that's, that's who I was, whoever I believed you, you know, on, on the, on the other side of the table, like this, you know, this dating, um, you know, this like if you were going out on a date with someone like you're you're not you're not going to be yourself you're going to be the mm. version of yourself you believe they want you to be so that was the that was the way that i live my life every day like to make light of it you know I'd like i was like i was a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude every day wow. every day because not only was i doing a, a fictitious representation of intimacy um I was going by a different name. Then that was also like more often than not a different name, reading a script, having these interactions with people and everything is so fake. Mm. And so just going through the motions, but yeah. So like I, I run home to my mom. Thankfully I, I had a little bit of experience, personal training, because like, I, I don't, I didn't want to be, in front of a camera, but that's all yeah. I had done. So I didn't want to be in front of a camera and no one, no one would hire me anyway. So I started personal training at a gym, but I tried to cover it up. Right. So I, I had, um, ironically, I had a Celtic cross on my arm. Wow. Um, I covered that up. Um, I tried to change my hair. I, I deleted my social media. Um, I tried to run. I got a job at a gym and a job at Whole Foods. And day one, I know you. Wow. You're that guy. You're that guy. Everywhere I went, you're that guy. And even when I lied, even when I tried to cover it up, you're that guy. You're that guy. You're that guy. Um, and that that went on for two years. I would lie until someone found me out. And I would deal with the consequences when it happened. Um tried to tried to date tried to have healthy relationships and the only thing that continued to, to trend in the positive direction was my career um personal training was going well worked my way up into management ended up going to another gym where i could work full-time um and everything was going great in that context and then this girl walks in the gym gorgeous and i'm like all right i'm gonna ask her on a date and um me being the Southern gentleman I am, I was like, Hey, you know, after the workout, I was like, I'll put your weights away. She's like, no, thanks. I was <laughs> like, Oh, I'm like, oh, okay. And I was like, well, could I take you out to dinner sometime? She was like, no, I'm, I, I think I'm okay. I was like, man. Um, and, uh, she said, well, we can go for a run. And, I like sprinting. I like lifting weights. I don't want to go on like what I, I, it was worse than I thought, but I was like, <laughs> like a five, like a five K to hers, like, you know, no big deal. So I was yeah. like, I, I don't want to do this, but I, whatever I have to do, I'm willing to do it. 
And I show up to this park. We're going to meet at a park and go for a run. And I, as I'm waiting for her to get there, I just feel this like overwhelming guilt. Like you've hurt so many people because you've lied. Just tell their truth. And if she doesn't want anything to do with you, it is what it is, but don't hurt her mm. because you're afraid to be honest. So we, the run quickly turns to a walk and I'm like, I need to tell you something. Um, I, I did a little bit of porn. She's like, what'd you say? <laughs> I was like, well, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to tell her everything. And I, and I told her everything. I told her everything. And then she's looking at me and I don't know if she's going to slap me or, or what, like, I, I don't know what's about to happen. And she looks at me and says, um, I didn't expect you to say that. That's not what I expected to hear, but I do want you to know this, um, regardless of what you've done, your, your worst mistake, that doesn't define who you are. Mm. And also the greatest thing you'll ever do that doesn't define who you are. God, God defines who you are. Wow. Do you know who God is? And then very quickly I, I pivoted to the person you want me to be, you know, a Christian. So yeah, I, I, I believe in God. Yeah. Time, space, and matter came into existence at the same time. There had to be a catalyst for that creation. Yes. Yes, absolutely. She's like, well, do you, do you have a relationship? Like, do you, how, do you pray? Um, or what's your walk with Jesus? Like, do you have a relationship with Jesus? And very quickly I knew the answer was no. Mm. And then she shared with her, she very quickly shared with me her faith and that she's been a Christian since she was about 13 and that she went to church regularly. And this is what her faith journey looked like. And then all of a sudden we're talking about tacos. <laughs> I was like, what just happened? Yeah. And for, for me, I was so certain that I was going to be rejected, but I wasn't. And it just, it, it, it kind of broke these, those walls that I had down and it cultivated this curiosity. And we, we finished the walk and the next day, you know, we continue to text like crazy and she invites me to go to church and, you know, she's like, well, I normally go to this church, but there's this church that a lot of people from the gym go to. And, um, do you want to go? And I was like, yeah, I, I want to know more. And, um, I know that was a, I, I, I've, I've been going for a long time, just uh, sharing my story. No, it's but, good. It's good. But, um, yeah, we, we walk into this church. I walk in the mission statement says, we want to love people where they are and encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And I was like, you want to, you want to love me where I'm at? Wow. You don't know, you don't know me, bro. <laughs> like, wow. you don't know me. You don't know how dirty I am. And I walk in and, you know, theater guys, like, you know, everything's aesthetically pleasing and you know the music's great and this and that, and, and I'm engaged, but then there's this pastor that walks up and he's vulnerable. Um, I grew up in a, like a Southern Baptist church. You know, it's like, if, a, if the pastor wasn't wearing, you know, a suit yeah, and tie, yeah. he was a joke, you know, it's yeah. like, and this guy's like, you know, he, he's wearing like a, I don't know, like a white shell necklace or something like, 
I don't know. Um, he, but he was just a, a normal dude. And he reminded me of my grandfather in a lot of ways, like super Southern guy um, from, from Durham, North Carolina. And he just starts telling this story. And he tells the story about Mephibosheth from first Samuel. Mm. And he's telling the story about how um, when Jonathan David, they were, you know, they were tight and then Jonathan dies. And historically, when a kingship took over, they would annihilate, annihilate, you know, just demolish and destroy um, everyone that was part of that previous kingdom because yeah. they didn't want anyone to think they had access to, you know, that kingship. And but Mephibosheth, you know, the if if anyone knows the details of the story, like he was he was dropped, and um, when the nurse was trying to get him out of there, and this and that, and but you know. Mephibosheth was the last person from the lineage of Jonathan, and he believed that he deserved, well, he was going to get death. And David sends a guard, you know, to, to meet him. And um, instead of offering death, he extends grace and David mm -hmm. restores his land and gives him a seat at his table, the best seat at his table, and not for a day, a week or a month, but forever. And then he pivots and, and so much more does Jesus want to stoop down and give you grace. And he wants to meet you where wow. you're at because there's separation between you and a holy God. Romans 3.23, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Mm. There's a void. There's a separation that you cannot fix. So that thing that you're wondering about, that you have, you're confused about, who am I? What am I supposed to do? Why do I feel this way? The answer is not something you can obtain. It's a person, and his name is Jesus, and he came here, and he lived a perfect life, and he died the death that I deserved, and he took my sin on the cross. Come on. And he died for me. And he saw me in at my worst. He saw me at my worst and he died for me anyway. Mm. And he died for me because he loved me. And, and I'm hearing this and it wrecks me because I realized in that moment that the father I always longed for, come on, I always had. And he loved me so much that he sent his son so that I could be reuni reunited with him. And, in, you know, I, I, I lose it in that moment and I'm, you know, and I'm weeping and, and it's because not the porn, I felt like I wasn't good enough my entire life. Mm. And the gospel tells me that not only am I worth a lot, I'm worth dying for. Wow. And it changed everything for me. So, wow. and the, the beautiful part about the story is that person who I had that conversation with and then invited me to church. Um, we've been married six years Come this on. July. I was going to say, we is have, that your wife? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> and her name is Hope. Um, wow. Talk about yeah, a story. Yeah. And we have uh, three, three little dudes, um, three sons. Yeah. So, so good, man. I wanted to, I don't want to go, you know, bring it down. That's such a powerful story and such a powerful yeah. moment you had there. Talk to us a little bit about behind the scenes, the suicide rate. We've heard things here. Some people that watch pornography, they think it's real. They think 
This yeah. is really people having sex. They like each other. They're enjoying it. I guess, yeah. you know, and this is so twisted, but I'm just giving you my perspective before I was saved. I always thought like, man, that would be like the dream job. I mean, guys think this, right? Like I right. could have sex. I could do whatever I want. I get pleasure. I get paid to do it. And it's exciting. Yeah. And there's no, there's no downfalls. There's no negatives to it. People in the world think this, they think this is a great, this would be a great life to have. Obviously, you know, you coming from that lifestyle, talk to us yeah. about that. Your friends that were in the industry, right? I mean, yeah. what was the drug use? What were, what are some of the behind the scenes that people don't see? And I wanted just to touch on one thing you said is, when people watch pornography, they see two people. They don't see 30 people. But the reality yeah. is there's more than just two people involved. This is an entire yeah. made up, which is what the devil does. He makes up this yeah. whole glamorous thing. And there's a whole production happening behind the scenes. And it's a, it's a made up. It's a made up world. It's a made up, fabricated, really plastic world. So talk a little bit about some of the drug use, some of the suicide rates in the porn industry um, that you saw and that you were involved in and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's twofold. So for the guys, so the director is footing the bill. The director is paying for the talent. He's paying for, you know, the crew, he's paying for the location. He's paying, he's paying for the permits. He's paying for all this stuff, um, production, all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. And so as the guy, the guy's the only person that doesn't get paid for certain, because mm. if the guy doesn't do his job, there's no product, but everyone else gets paid, but he doesn't. So there's this ridiculous amount of pressure. So there's many directors that will pressure you to take at, at minimum some type of, you know, erectile dysfunction medication. Um, later in my career, it was popular that everyone would do Caverjack. So Caverjack is this chemical you inject into one of the caverns of, you know, your member and it's for paraplegic people to be able wow. to be intimate with their spouse. So it's, you know, releases a chemical and then, you know, it's, it's working for about four hours. If you put too much in there, you have to go to the hospital and get it lanced, but there's, there was pressure for, and it was even on sets directors, you know, administering it. It's like, Hey, you know, I, I want you to do this because if, if you can't do the scene, then know what you're not going to get paid. I'm not going to have any product. So there's that lens. And then, so just in the day, like, like you were saying, you're, you're on stage with you're you're on, you know, set with 30 people and the girl more often than not, doesn't want to be there. Mm. You don't want to be there. So it's two people who do don't want to be there. And they believe Isaiah, they believe that there's nothing else that they can do because wow. no one, no one prostitutes themselves in a room full of 30 people watching them do that. And then lay their head down on the pillow at the end of the day. And they're proud of themselves. It eats away at you. And I have third, I had a thousand memories of doing exactly that. And it wow. ate away at me day by day by day. And then for the girls, there's this no list, right? So there's things that they won't do people. They don't want to work with and they stay in the industry for a while. And then once they peak and they start to, you know, they're, they're, they're not as popular as I used to be, um, the director says, okay, let's take a look at this no list. Okay. You said you didn't want to do that. Well, you haven't done it. So it's taboo. That and means this is certain worth. sexual acts. They say, oh, we right. will not do this. Okay. gotcha. Yeah. 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 So it's like, yeah. So it's like, I won't do this. I don't feel comfortable doing this. And then the direct, and then that agent will go to some companies and like, Hey, um, who will give me the most money for this? Okay. You great. Wow. 50 grand. And then he, then he comes to the girl and this is the conversation. Hey, um, I know that you haven't been working as much as you 
normally have been, but this company wants to pay you $50,000 to do, you know, that, well, that, that thing that you said you didn't want to do because you wow. didn't feel comfortable with it. Well, if you do this, then you'll be relevant again. And it's like, you've already done all this stuff. You might as well do that. It's not a big deal. This is just who you are. This is your life now. So wow. that you might as well do it. And she does it. And all of a sudden she does it and it's not taboo anymore. Now you, you continue to do something you didn't want to do. It becomes normative. Then the, her career goes on. And so this is the story for a lot of girls. The story goes on. You've, you've done everything you said you wouldn't do. And now there's escorting. The agent conveniently owns an escorting agency as well. Escorting is just a fancy name for prostitution. You're going to yeah. go spend a weekend with this guy. He's going to pay you, you know, 10, 15 grand, but you're, 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 you're expected to have sex with him. So, but it's like, I can hook you up with that. And then, but the escorting, the people are only asking for you if you're popular. And then all of a sudden, if you're not popular anymore, phone starts, stops ringing for that last leg of, of the race um, feature dancing. So at strip clubs, they'll pay girls that used to have or have somewhat of a name and they'll pay them a fee to attract customers and they're the feature wow. girl and and then all of a sudden you you go through all that phone's not ringing no one's calling and you've been in the industry for five years you're shot out as it's called and you're 30 you're 30 but you've been in this industry for five or six years and you're looking at yourself and you're like well, what am i supposed to do I believe that I'm a product to be used and mm. you know, I've been having everyone in, in you know, that, that is speaking into my life that this is just who I am. This is what I do because of what you've done. There's nothing else you can do. You'd never be a wife. No one's going to want to marry wow. you. There, there's no, who, who would hire you? You don't have any experience. You don't have a, you don't have a degree. What are you going to put on your resume? There's nothing else you can do. They've been hearing that for five, six, seven years. And they look at their life and their phone's not ringing. And 30 people who were near and dear to my heart that were people that were created in the image of God took their life, either overdose or suicide. 30 people who 30. were in the industry the same time I was. Wow. 30 people. And here's, here's the, here, if this doesn't wake you up, listen to this. 30, those 30 people, all of their content is still on the internet. And oh, some man, of it, and so some sick. of them, some of them are in the top 10 most viewed girls. Sick. So that piece of paper that I told you about earlier that you sign just to get paid, you sign, what you sign is you sign away all rights to video, audio, and photographs. And there's the last little thing that you initial and you give rights to, for them to repurpose and sell to as many third parties as possible for an unlimited amount of time. So they, these images end up on dating sites and those videos get spliced and repurposed and re-released. So those 30 people, the porn industry is making millions upon millions of dollars. You, if you're watching pornography now, the probability of you watching one of those 30 people who saw their life and saw that it was so dim and so dark because of the industry, because of the very acts that you're wow. watching, destroyed them to the point where they would rather take their own life than take another breath. Wow. 
And I think some people in the chat might say, man, this is so intense. A lot of people, you know, crying in the chat saying they're crying or they're putting the crying emoji as well. But guys, this is what we're saying. When you watch this and for the reality is there's over 3000 of you watching. There's many, many people in the chat that are addicted to pornography. That's the reality of the, of the situation. What we're saying is when you're watching this, you're supporting this industry. Now you might say, well, Isaiah, I don't pay for it. It's free. Friend, whatever you do for free, you are the product. So you're paying whether you think it is or not because you're paying with your time. So when you're watching free pornography, you're still paying for it and you're supporting the industry. And this is why we said in the beginning, even those of you that might not be Christian or have good morals, you know this is wrong and you're supporting this industry. And that's not even the other side of the sex trafficking, the yeah. suicide and everything else, the abuse and the other genres of pornography that we couldn't even talk about on this live stream without YouTube yeah. taking our video down because it goes even darker and even more in depth but this is absolutely yeah. devastating um to hear this because and you're so you're saying these women or and men have taken their life and the platforms keep their videos up don't even take their videos down i mean this sounds illegal sadly it's not and people are now watching not even realizing that these people they're watching are no longer even alive because the industry has literally killed them has brought yeah, them I to mean the place of suicide and, and the thing is, is just like the media likes to like, what do you see on the news? Yeah. Destruction, despair, you know? So if this happens in the porn industry, what do you think they do? Oh, let's, let's take all of their scenes and make a best of we're doing it to Man. honor them. No, you're not. You're trying to manipulate the situation so you can make more money off this person that wanted nothing more than to just take everything back. They ever did. Wow. I wanted to say too, you know, obviously there's spiritual implications to all of this. Obviously there's so much going on in the kingdom of darkness. When you were in it, now obviously you weren't uh, following God and this Christian, the spiritual, was there a right. spiritual aspect? I mean, we know the Bible says when you're having sex, the two become one. You're connecting right. with somebody. We know that sex is not just a physical act. It's a spiritual act. But did right. you, I'm just asking from your perspective, did you feel like this is demonic? Like I, there's darkness. I remember one time doing something. I won't say what, but when I was in the world and I was driving home from this girl's house after I just done stuff with her and I felt for the first time ever in my life a presence in the car with me and I didn't know at the time whether it was a demon whether this was like now I know what it was it was a demonic spirit but I felt the yeah. presence of darkness like I literally felt and all I could explain it was someone was sitting next to me in the car did you feel yeah. that in the industry we know the devil hides and everything like that but did you ever feel like you're three years in and you're just like what am I doing? Like, this is demonic. I mean, there's, this is spiritual. Did you have Absolutely. that? Would you have nightmares? Did you have night terrors? Like, what was that like spiritually? Yeah. I mean, so at first, yes, I, I did feel the presence of evil, um, especially when, you know, we won't go into it, but like the, the narrative of the scene, it, it was yeah. like, it, how I say, that? so more often than not, there, a, a popular narrative is um no doesn't mean no no means not yet wow and 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 that is something that i think is is not talked about enough but it's something that like you were saying um it if i'm consuming a product whatever i put in me is going to overflow out of me mm. so if i put these thought processes that i'm consuming in me more often than not, the, the boundaries that I believe to be true are going to be dictated by my consumption. So I, I mean, 
I, I won't, I won't get too deep into that, but yes. So the answer to your question, yes, um, absolutely. The, the presence of darkness. And I think even, even more so it blurred the boundaries of what I was willing to do because mm. like there, there wasn't anything I wasn't willing to do. Like, because I believed, okay, I now am a product to be sold. And if, as long as there's a dollar amount attached to it, it doesn't matter the action. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who it was with, why, like whether it was on camera or off camera, like nothing mattered, nothing mattered anymore because I believed I didn't matter. And it just continued to get darker and darker and darker and darker. Wow. Now, after coming out of the industry, I know this might sound a weird question. And if you feel uncomfortable answering it, when you got saved and you had that encounter with God, did you still struggle after with pornography? I mean, I know it sounds weird because you come out of the porn industry. It's like, of course, I would never watch porn. But was there a battle still with pornography, with lust? I mean, you went from having sex, you know, 20, 30 times, sometimes probably a week, I'm guessing, to yeah. now you're leaving the industry. And, and I wanted to just to point out something as well, and correct me if I'm wrong, to those that are watching the chat. There's people in the chat tonight, I get it, there's atheists, there's people that are agnostic, they don't believe, and they're listening to us talk tonight, and they're saying, oh, you guys must have been at the bottom of your career, at the bottom of the barrel, you had nothing else to rely on but God, that's the only reason you got saved. That's not the case. I mean, you were right. at the top of your career winning, yeah actor of the year when you yeah. decided I'm leaving this. So this wasn't like, oh, I'm weak. I have nothing else and I'm burnt out. Right. And I'm, and now yeah. I'm going to go serve God. Like you, you did this in the midst of the peak of your career coming yeah. out of this. Obviously those people, are you sure you don't want to do this? I'm guessing there's a lot of that that was going on. But my, I guess my question is what was the battle like leaving this lifestyle? Cause it's not just, oh, it was, it's, I guess it's deeper than just, oh, I got saved and went to church happily ever after. Right. You were so right. tied in for years. This was like, who yeah. you were and then if you guys don't know um in the porn industry you have a what's called like a porn name right or an actor right. name so it wasn't like joshua broom it was his he right. had porn names so when you guys heard earlier he say i heard joshua for the first time in years you're like how was that because he's going by porn names and so you're yeah. living this completely different identity and I, I guess i mean i'm guessing you'd had to like almost learn how to relive right you're born again oh. it's like man i gotta learn so what was that like coming right out of it like how was months after that journey for you yeah, man, it, it was incredibly difficult because, you know, what we, we know that um, salvation is instantaneous, yeah. but sanctification is a process. Yep. And for me, um, yes. So it, it was like I went from one extreme to the other because I meet this girl, I give my life to Christ, and then all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're dating. And then not, not too long after that, you know, we start dating in around like Easter, and then we, we get engaged in October. And, you know, we're, we're in premarital classes, um, premarital counseling. And, you know, it's like we chose to walk in purity and wow. it was, and it seems so bizarre, but it, but like to answer your question, like, was it difficult? Absolutely. And for me, um, like I love donuts. I love them. So, but if I, if I ever worked at Krispy Kreme, I probably would lose my appetite for them. Mm. And for me, it's like, I, like consuming the content was, was never a, a big deal for me, but for me, um, I, I struggled with anger because everywhere I went, I would see something and think something I didn't want to think. And it would just like enraged me. Like I, every time I would go to the gym, I would see a girl wearing something and triggered, you know, I'm mm. watching, you know, watching something on TV triggered. So like 
I, even if I saw someone kissing in a movie, like my, I, my mind would go down this rabbit hole and I had this portfolio of things that I didn't want to think about. Yeah. So like that, that was my struggle. Um, but for me, it was, ha- so the, 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 the most amazing thing, um, I, I, my story is amazing in what God has done in my life, but what happened to me what was so pivotal. I get saved. I go in the church the next week. Hey, is there a pastor I can talk to? Yeah. Um, here, here's pastor Gary over here was the executive pastor of the church that I was attending. And, um, he's like, you know, what, what do you want to talk about? I was like, um, I think that God wants me to build a boat. He's like, what, <laughs> what do you mean? I was like, I think God wants me to do something bigger than I can comprehend. And my grandfather taught me, um, if, if you want to do anything, learn how to do it well, and find someone who is doing what you want to do and ask a ton of questions. Mm. And I was like, I'm here to ask a ton of questions. He's like, that's amazing. Right down the hall, yeah. <laughs> right down the hall, there's this pastor that just moved here. He just graduated from DCS, Dallas Theological Seminary, and he's helping us plant another campus. And I sit down with this man. His name's Andrew. I sit down with him and he you know, gave me some pointers of like just understanding context, how to read the Bible. And that one meeting turned into four years of us meeting together for 15 to 20 hours a week. And wow. he taught me how to read the Bible and he taught me how to teach people how to read the Bible. He, he, me, him and Bill Mounts became friends and we, we went through Greek in a year. Wow. Um, and then he, he, his passion for learning prompted me to go to Liberty university to study um, Christian ministries, specifically uh, biblical theology. And like, so he impacted my life, but the thing that he impacted my life most with he held me accountable. He held me above That's reproach good. in a way that I'd never been held accountable for. I had to learn, I had to almost like, like thinking about meekness, like the biblical definition of meekness is like this, this horse that's, you know, just enraged, but somehow you, you, you tame him because he submits to the master. And it's like, for me, I wanted the peace that only Jesus could provide. And I knew it was going to come from me laying my pride down and me laying this, um, all of these lies that I told myself for so long. And man, we would have these conversations that, you know, it is part of this book that I'm writing, but hot conversations. So Mm. honest, open, and transparent. And each week, you know, he would, he would ask me, how are you doing? And we established trust to the degree where I would, when I was screwing up, he would tell me. And I Mm. think, it's in a culture where we're so quick to judge people, but we're so slow to tell people the truth, especially the people that we love most. Yeah. So it's like, if you love someone, tell them the truth, you know, John 14, 15, if you love me, obey my commandments. Mm. If you love me, trust what I'm telling you is best for you. And I trusted him. So he's like, this is going to work for you telling me the truth. And I'm going to give you feedback. And if you're someone who hears like constructive feedback and you are quick to push back, you need to check your heart. Come on. Because if someone who loves you is calling you out on something, they're not trying to demean you. They see something in you that is bigger than you can see. And mm. if you can get out of the way, that is where growth takes place. And that is what he did. And he had to like beat me over the head with it. Um, I ended up going to counseling. And to be honest, there, there's times where, you know, I, my, my mind will go off 
into a place where I don't want it to go. But, yeah. you know, I, I have to take that thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So it's like good. there was a process of like, um, you know, second Timothy three sixteen is talking about all scriptures, God breathing is good for teaching, rebuking and all this stuff. But reproof was the, the game changer for me. I had to dismantle and destroy the lies that I've told myself, the, the, the lies that I told myself about God so that I could build my foundation based on his truth so that I could then reappropriate myself into the world. Because like you were saying, I had no, like even from social interaction, Isaiah, someone looking me in the eye and shaking my hand terrified me. I could have sex in front of 2000 people, no problem, but look me in the eye and shake my hand. That was terrifying because that was real. Like what, like the thing that people don't understand about that industry, man, it's just like any other movie, you know, that, you, you you shoot an hour of footage, there's a director, there's editing, there's makeup. Um, you know, it's like maybe that person wants to be there, maybe they don't. You know, there's 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 erectile dysfunction medication, there's there's all this stuff, there's you know, there's lubricant and so on, and blah 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 blah. It's a movie, it's a fictitious, it's a counterfeit, it's a counterfeit representation of something that looks like intimacy, but it's not. Wow. Wow. And it and it's packaged to look like something but the reality is it's something you can never obtain because it's not real Mm. and when you pursue a counterfeit you're going to be insatiable because there's going to be nothing that comes close to that because it doesn't exist wow and here you are now a pastor i mean your testimony is just absolutely incredible you go from being you know male actor of the year for those of you jumping on filmed over a thousand movies get radically saved you know meet this girl who's now your wife you have three children i believe now and now you're a pastor when you got when all this started happening right you get saved you're like i'm not doing this you're calling your agents you're you're posting on social media i'm done i'm deleting my accounts what what did your mom think of this like what did your family think what did your little brother think and then um do you have i mean has there been have you ever talked to your dad since is did your dad know that you're a pastor now has there ever been a connection there i'm just curious like from my perspective like i remember when i got saved my whole family's like what happened like you're not the same person tell me a little bit about that people's reaction when you decided you're quitting and you're gonna go to church and everything yeah so um man long story uh somewhat short um, my wife being the absolute champion that she is reaches out to, um, my, my half brother that I didn't know gets my dad's number and has him call me. Wow. And we have this, we have this conversation, but, um, this was probably about a year into uh, a year after I'd gotten saved. Okay. And, and, and for, for me, forgiveness was the vehicle which allowed me to love myself. Mm. Like I had to forgive myself. Like that was the journey that I was on forgiving me. Like I accepted God's forgiveness, but I had to forgive myself for the decisions I made, the people I hurt, the things I did. And I, I quickly came to understand that I had taken this, um, this void that I had in my life that was longing for Jesus and me not knowing who I was, but with this earthly experience of me taking, just not understanding who I was and pointing that at my dad. So subconsciously Mm. I was angry at him, even though I didn't know him. And I was angry that, you know, I I had to teach myself how to do all these things that, you know, had a, you know, uh, I had to teach myself how to ride a bike. I went up this hill and just like, 
I'm going to do it. You know, mm-hmm. and went down this hill and just ate it time after time after time because I was so tired of being embarrassed because I didn't know how to ride a bicycle. Wow. And it just like there, I have like tons and tons of stories like that. Like my fraternity brothers in, in college, like taught me how to tie a tie. Um, but it's like moments like that. I just like were, was, I had a lot of just animosity towards him. Yeah. And at that point, when he called, the first thing I said, um, I was like, hey, I want you to know that I forgive you because I've been mad at you for a really long time. And that set the tone for the conversation. So but here's what here's what I want people to hear, because I think this is important. Um, Reconciliation is going to look different person to person. It's Mm. individual. It's individual, individualistic in nature because I had created, you know, I'm going to meet my dad. Everything's going to go great. We're going to be homies and we're going to have this relationship. We're going to make up for lost time. The reality is I, I talked to him maybe once a month. Um, he's met my children. He knows that I preach. He, he watches my sermons online. Wow. He, he's proud of me, but um, the, the relationship, I'm not saying it's too far gone, but yeah. if I, if I allowed myself to do so, I could drift back into that old mindset because of the relationship that we never had. And it, it might not ever be. And mm. I, I just have to be okay with that. Yeah. And I think there's so many things that if you allow your perspective of what you think that a Christian life or you think God should do, if your perspective doesn't line up with what's happening, like if your perspective challenges what God is doing, you can find yourself turning back. And it's so easy, like, you know, numbers 13 and 14, it's like, you know, where everything is, is, is in the, the, you know, the land of Canaan, the, 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 the food is there. The, the land is prosperous. Yes. Everything is there. It's like, ah, oh, let's go back. And it's so quick to forget that God split the Red Sea and he provided manna from heaven and he provided water from a rock. And there was, you know, fire by night and and smoke by day. And it's so easy to forget all that. It's so easy to forget everything that God has done in your life when your perspective challenges your reality. Mm. And for me, it's like that has to be it had to be a growing process, you know? So it's like, there has been reconciliation, but it, it's not what I thought it would be like. Yeah. But, but yeah. But your mom was excited, right? When you, Oh, got, my mom was stoked. She's amazing. And you're close um, with her and everything. Yeah. I'm super close with my mom. Yeah. That's so like, awesome. Like, yeah. It was, it was almost like I'd never left, you know? So my, my mom amazing. and I are super close. Um, the thing that, um, if, as you pray, if, 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 you know, there, there's lots that I need prayer for, but specifically, um, my brother is, um, he, he adheres to universalism because okay. of, um, trauma in his life in that he too, he has, he has a hard time reconciling, um, his father not being consistent mm. and how can John 14, six be real? How can, you know, Jesus say that he is the truth, the way in the life, no one comes to the father except through me. How can he, how can that be the only way? And my, my prayer is that God softens his heart and opens yeah. his mind to the truth that is Jesus, because that is the truth, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But Absolutely. Um, it, it's it's like, man, I, I can't help but feel you know, a responsibility. It's like, man, I, I, if I could have loved him better, if I could have been there, 
Um, but I, I, I've learned to understand and to know God and know that the most powerful thing I can do is continue to love him. And the more, and the most powerful thing I can do is continue to pray for intercessory prayer on his, on his behalf. So good, man. You know, just as you're, as you're sharing and sharing, I keep thinking of the verse when you were talking about the porn industry to flee from sexual immorality. Some of you yeah. watching this right now, I hope this is a wake up call for you. I hope this is a, a, an alarm going off that you can't go back. Like your soul's at stake, your marriage is at stake, your family's yeah. at stake, your kids are at stake. And the Bible says to flee from sexual immorality, to run away from it and not run towards it. And I believe tonight that God wants to set you free from this. God wants to deliver you from this. God does not desire that you that you do this. The Bible says those that live sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God. So this is not something small. The Bible talks about sexual sin being chains, being bondage, talking about dragging you into hell. I mean, you look at some of the Old Testament parables and Solomon says that that this girl her hands are like chains I mean her hands are chains like this is absolute bondage and I really believe tonight that God wants to set you free so I'm gonna pray over you guys I believe tonight there's freedom I believe tonight there's breakthrough I mean your story is such a wake-up call for all of us um, God delivered me I know God if God can deliver me I know God can deliver you guys in fact it wasn't just God my little sister actually I don't know if you know the story my little sister actually did deliverance on me right after being saved cast demons out of me of lust of uh. shame of guilt of all these things and God completely set me free and I believe many of you in the chat God wants to deliver you tonight so yeah. let's just pray father we thank you so much for what you're doing tonight Lord we thank you for every person watching and father we thank you that there is deliverance available that there is breakthrough available that tonight there is freedom that your word says that you've come to set the captives free your word says that you were you were came to the earth to destroy the works of darkness and father we pray tonight that you would break every stronghold in the minds of the people watching that you would shatter these mindsets that you would shatter wrong thinking we come against every spirit of lust we come against every spirit of perversion we come against every demonic power that would attach itself to us lord that would attack us that would influence us that would try to drive us to sexual immorality. Father, we ask you for your conviction, for the conviction of God, that the kindness of God leads us to repentance. So Father, we are asking tonight, Lord, that you would just release repentance over every person watching, that there's some of you watching that God is drawing you right now. Uh, Acts 2.38, that you must repent. There's no way around it. There's yeah. no, oh, just invite Jesus in. There's no way around repentance. And tonight, God is calling many of you in the chat to repent of sexual immorality, to turn from sexual immorality, to turn from pornography, to say, God, I'm never doing this again. God, change my mind, change the way I think. Wash me by your yep. power, wash me in your blood, God. The power of the Holy Spirit is available to you. So we just come against every demonic attack right now, every demonic assignment. Satan, you are a liar. We just break your lies, we break your covenants, we break your plans. We come against every strategy of the enemy, every demonic spirit. We command you to come out of these people tonight in Jesus name you have no power you have no authority in Jesus name the devil uh, the devil is a liar and the Lord rebukes you Satan not Isaiah not Joshua but the Lord rebukes you tonight Satan and so we break that power father I thank you that you're breaking shackles tonight that you're breaking chains tonight that people will never be the same that you are exposing the works of darkness that you are exposing the plans and the strategies of the enemy and I even pray you know some of you the 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 reality is this tonight, 
You may need to get rid of that laptop. You may need to get off of social media. You may need to get out of that relationship. I mean, you yeah. have to do what you've been, what God's telling you to do. For some of you, it's not deliverance. For some of you, it's not a demon. For some of you, it's discipline. And it's yeah. you saying, I'm not going to go online past 10 p.m. I can't yeah. trust myself on the Instagram Explore page. I can't trust myself on TikTok. And, and TikTok's absolutely the worst because you don't know what's going to come up next. And some of you are being triggered. These are things in the Bible saying you need to run from these things, right? Yeah. And then some of you, there is deliverance. Some of you, there's demons that need to be cast out. But I want to make something clear. Um, you have to be... Play, get involved. You have to play a part in this and yeah. you just break free from this. I don't know if there's anything you want to give, any closing thoughts, Joshua, any advice you want to give those that are coming out of this, that are wanting to break free, maybe some tips to breaking free from pornography that have worked in your life that you see that have worked in young people. I know God, and I just want to say this, man, I honor you. I know that God has given you a voice. I really believe, man, that you are an alarm clock. I really believe that you're a voice. I believe God's going to use you even greater, and I, I know he already is, in the porn industry to bring people out, to help disciple. Mm. There's people in the chat right now that are in the chat typing that they're in the porn industry, that they're crying, that they're coming out. And there's also people that are ex-porn stars as well that are in the chat saying everything you're saying is right and so i know god has a, a mandate a calling on you for that but is there anything you'd want to say as well just before we end of um just you know some advice for people that are co coming out of this yeah just really quickly um you know, you'll be able to justify anything you don't truly believe is evil so mm. porn is hurting you and it's hurting the people that you say you love most so honesty Good. is what you need Secondly, in, take inventory of your life. Like you were saying, what are you allowing in your life? What are you looking at? What are you listening to? And what are the voices that are speaking into your life with authority? Because if they're not leading you in the direction you don't want to go, they have to go. Mm. Next, you have to have boundaries. You have to have boundaries. Even, you know, maybe it's, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, accountability software on your phone, or maybe it's something practical for me. Don't take your phone in your bedroom. Don't take your phone in your bathroom. Something as simple as that. And if for every person that's thinking, I need my alarm clock, go buy one. Would you rather ruin your marriage because you don't want to, you don't want to have an, another alarm clock? Come on. Wow. So it's like you set the boundaries and make them non-negotiable. And then lastly, you have to understand that underlining why. Why do I say yes? Because mm. that like the root is where the answer is found. It's not what you did. It's why you did it. If you know that porn is bad and you say that you want to stop, why do you say yes? Why do you justify it? And if you can identify that, that is where healing takes place. That's so good. I believe many of you tonight, man, I am so blessed by this. I'm telling you, it's just, it's a wake up call for everybody. This is a message the body of Christ desperately needs. You know, I've been yeah. to hundreds of churches and preach and I'm telling you, people do not talk about pornography and this is major. And they say statistics, you know, 90%, they have all these wild statistics of people in the church involved in this. And we know this is true. And so we need to get this message out there. We need to expose the enemy. We really need breakthrough. Where can people find you? I know you have a podcast. I've linked your YouTube channel down below in the description, but if there's anything else that you want to say or where else they can find you and follow your ministry, um, feel free to just share that. Yeah. If you're interested in uh, booking me to speak, so joshuabroom.me is uh, the website. So that has all my handles and um, that's where you can you know, fill out a contact form. And I would love to come to where you are or speak virtually. And I am Joshua Broom is all of my social media channels. So I got a lot of cool stuff coming up. Um, they haven't been solidified, but 
Um, I, I have some really cool things that I want to provide something tangible. Um, mm. if, if I could take my story and make it uh, into a tangible thing, which is going to be a book, but um, long story, really short, in, instead of digging into it, I believed for a long time that I wanted to share my story and God wrecked me. And he said, no, I want you to share my story. Mm. And when I realized it was God's story, it went from a book. It was about me to seven seasons of my life that has um, spiritual and practical applications through those seven series of my life, seven, seven seasons of my life. So good. We're going to have to have you back on when your book comes out so we could really just share about that as well. I mean, I'd love to have you on again. I know we're just becoming friends. We just made a connection. I messaged you and then not realizing you had messaged me because of the Instagram. I have to, it's weird. You have to like request people when you message them and all that. But man, I'm so glad to be connected. I know God is up to something. I know this is all divine. Nothing's on accident. The fact that you're on tonight is a divine appointment. Many people are going to be reached in the weeks to come from this. So man, I just want to honor you. Thank you so much for being on tonight. I'm going to text you right when I'm done, because I do want to send something your way. But man, thanks so much for being on tonight. Thank you so much, brother. Awesome, man. God bless. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.